You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Okay. How are we all? Good? You're well? I'm glad you're well. That's good, Jim. I'm pleased about that. I've lost my spot. We're in Philippians, right? I can find Philippians. Oh, there we go. We are in our final two weeks of Philippians. We're entering into chapter four. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, you can turn to chapter four, beginning at verse one today. We're going to head right through to verse nine. And, you know, I really believe that God has got some incredible things to reveal to us today, um, and I am excited to bring you this. Who has enjoyed Philippians? I've really enjoyed wa- walking through it a little bit more slowly. It's been a very meaty chapter, right? And that's a really good thing. To start this morning, I have a question for you. Have you ever started something and not finished it, even though... You knew it was going to be good for you. Hands, who started something that they knew was going to be good for them but haven't finished it? For all you people with your hands down, we need to learn from you or you need to stop lying. But one or the other, we, you know, we all do it, right? We start things and we don't finish them even though they might be good for us. You know, we think we get halfway through or maybe a day or two in and you're like, oh, nah. I changed my mind. This is not really for me. Some other time, maybe. I, my friends uh, like to rip me off a little bit and give me a hard time because I'm the fad queen, they call me. The fad queen. And that's because if there's a healthy eating plan, I have tried it. I've tried them all. And I try them all at different times. And you know what? They sometimes work really well, but I still stop them because something will happen in my world and all of a sudden, I'll need to binge eat a block of chocolate in a, on a Friday night or whatever it might be. And then I think, well, I've ruined it now. I might as well just stop the whole thing. Anybody else with me on that? Thank you. Not alone today. Um, I did join the gym, though, in January this, week, this year. And you'll be pleased to know that bar a couple of weeks, I've actually been every week all year. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm, I'm like doing not too badly on that front. But through life, I have learned that growth can be really hard. Growth and, you know, doing things that are good for you can be really hard. I've learned, though, how to stick it out. Maybe not quite yet in the healthy eating world, but I'm, I am heaps better, I must say. But in heaps of other areas, in my relationships, In my marriage, through hard moments in our marriage, I've learned to stick it out, to work it through because it's good for us. In parenting children, in friendships, in uh, ministry, with my relationship with God, even at church. Like there's been lots of times in my life over the last 20 years that I have really learned to stick it out, even though there have been times where it's been really hard to do. 
what we're about to read in Paul is that he's encouraging the Philippians. He's beginning to wrap things up. And there's some things that he is encouraging them to do, to stick out. He's, he's encouraging them and building them up and he's kind of in his, in his final stage in Philippians 4 and so he's talking to them about being continually transformed, which is what we do when we're sticking things out and we're like learning more and we're growing in God and all of those things, that's what we're doing. And so this morning, we're going to read uh, from Philippians 4 and talking about growing in Christ So Philippians chapter 4, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with, I have no idea how to say these and I've been practicing all week, Euodia, and I plead with Syntech something to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whether Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Mighty God, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you that it brings life and it brings truth. And this morning, Lord, we just open up our hearts and our minds to what it is that you want to speak to us through this section of scripture today. God, would you bless every heart in here in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So this is the final exhortations, which is, you know, if you read through the whole of Philippians 4, he could have ended the letter about four times, I'm pretty sure. But there's lots that he feels he needs to share to the church in Philippi to make sure that they're they're okay for a little bit longer until he can get to them, of course. So these are all meant to encourage and build us up. Paul's like, right, here we go. These are some words that I need to leave with you so that you can grow in Christ. These are the things that I want you to remember. If you have to just remember some things, this is what you should remember. And why is he doing that? For the sake of the gospel. The sake of Christ in Philippi. And you know what? In Newcastle, we're it. Not we just in this congregation. There's lots of congregations meeting, but the church in Newcastle, we have a job to do in this city, and we need to be growing in Christ to be able to do what God has called us to do. So Paul is giving the Philippians some great encouragement to grow. So we're just going to pick out four of those today, and I'm going to take it from the first one from verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. The first thing we need to remember to grow in Christ is we need to stand firm. So the church in Philippi, they have some opposition happening. Paul's reminding them how much he loves them. 
If we read this verse in the message version, it says, My dear friends, I love you so much. I do want the very best for you. You make me feel such joy. Fill me with such pride. Don't waver. Stay on track. Steady in God. The church is under fire. We sometimes are under fire, right? From the world around us, maybe from our own thoughts, the enemy. Like there's a whole bunch of reasons why we might be under fire. But we need to stay on track to be steady. We need to stand firm. Paul has mentioned this a number of times before, and he says, therefore, just recapping from chapter 3, because we are in Christ and we know we are seated in the heavenly realms, because of that, stand firm. We have to remember to keep our eyes on the prize. It's not all about right now, although it's important right now. We also know that our future is secure. We know that we have got citizenship in heaven. We know that there is greater things to come. And we have to remember that as we stand firm in the, tr- in the hard times, in the trials, in the things that are going on in our world, in our mind, whatever it might be. We get to stand firm knowing that the future is bright, knowing that God has got incredible things planned for us. We can't, we can't let the stuff around us take us out. When we stand firm in Christ and not in our own strength, we're far more likely to go the distance. When we stop and give everything over to God, we're far more likely to not give up. So how do we do that? Paul says, stand firm in the Lord in this way. So if we look at the context, we have to remember, one, that our citizenship is in heaven. Yep. We are safe, we are secure, we know where we're headed, we know what's going on, our future is sure and there is great glory ahead of us. And the second thing is we need to look around, like, so Paul says, look at my example, you can be sure and stand, like, look at all the things that have happened and look at my, the way that I have done life, you can look to me to see how to stand firm. We can look around us, you will be able to look around you right now and see incredible people of faith around you, incredible people of faith, and you will be able to learn from them. You can look to them, gain wisdom from them and understand how to stand firm. They're just two ways that Paul is showing us that we can stay the course and follow those who have already maybe attained a different level of maturity. We were talking about that last week. Maybe they're in a different stage of life. Maybe they've already walked a trial that we're walking right now. We get to look at them and go, how did they do it? How did they do it? And learn from that and grow in that and remember to stand firm. So don't give up. The temptation to give up and to disengage from the battle for the gospel in your life, your home, your marriage, your city, it can feel really real when we're walking through it, that battle. And you know what? There's been many moments where I've battled the temptation to give up. Am I alone there? Has other, have other people felt like, you know what? It would be really easy to just give up right now. It would be so easy to just go and do my own thing, to disconnect and to not engage with the world around me. But don't give up. We need to keep pressing on the kingdom, in the kingdom. We need to keep pressing on in our marriage, our home, our family, our business. It is worth the fight. And remember, we're not alone. We're in this together. We're doing this together. I look around and see people who I've walked with for 20 years. That's amazing. We're doing this together. 
my fight helps you and your fight helps me. Which perfectly segues to the next thing that I want to show us in this section of Scripture. To grow in Christ, we need to walk together. Now, I just want to point out that this section of Scripture is a little unusual for Paul, and we'll get to why that is a little bit later, but it's not his normal way of doing things. At face value, it kind of looks like he's naming and shaming, which is not Paul's usual style, but we will work out why. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntec. I'm pretty sure I said those differently the first time. But anyway, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes. And I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. It's true. There are two women who Paul is obviously wanting to get on the same page. That's the the bottom line. But if we read it carefully, Paul is not calling these women out because they're, they're bad. He's actually not calling them out because they're the worst people in the world. No. He is actually saying that these two valuable women in the kingdom of God who have done great things, they need to come back to a place of unity. They need to come back to being like minded. In Philippians 2.2, we talked about the fact that Paul says, be like-minded, having one mind. And he encourages the church to value others above yourself and to have the mind of Christ, which seems to be what Paul is calling these women to do. He's asking them to come back to having one mind. Now, it's pretty unusual that Paul calls out people by name when it's to do with a correction. It's not his normal way. But obviously, the value that these women have for the kingdom of God when they're working together is too high for Paul to not make it known that he knows what's going on because the kingdom of God is greatly going to benefit if they can get back to having one mind. Not, you know, one mind doesn't mean having the same mind as me. It means having the same mind as God. It's God's mind we want this. You know, we're always, there's going to be moments where we disagree. That's the reality of life. Where people, we're not going to agree with every single thing that people do and say. My sister and I have not always had the very best relationship. In fact, if she was in here right now, she would tell you that I was probably the worst big sister in the history of big sisters. Now, that's like a pretty big call, but I was pretty awful. And in the time when she probably needed me the most in those teenage years, I was completely unavailable to her. I was way too good for her. I did not have the time of day for her. I had no issue in not giving her any attention at all. But what that actually did in our family was cause disunity. And it caused, sometimes it caused division. And I was totally out of line. But when I'm out of alignment with my family which is what's happening in this verse, the church of God, the family of God in Philippi. And for me, me and my sister, when we're out of line or when we're out of agreement, what happens is it causes the whole body, the whole family to be affected. And what happened in my house was people would walk around on eggshells. We would make sure that we didn't do things together. It was just one of those things that was easier to not be together rather than be in the same place and be horrible. Well, me being horrible, my sister 
probably just reacting to the way that I was. And you know what? That's not what our family needed. We were in tension. But I am pleased to say that we are no longer in tension and that I literally handed her my boxing gloves on her 21st birthday and said, I don't need these anymore. And there was a lot of tears, mostly from my mum and uh, probably a few from me. And I don't know if Anna really thought that I was going to be real in, in saying this, but it was a pretty big thing. I handed her my boxing gloves and said, that's it. I'm coming back into agreement with you and I love you as my sister. And it doesn't really, you know, we still don't agree on everything. We still have disagreements about faith, for instance, but we walk, we, she is one of the people that I laugh with the most and who it's not a bad thing to be around us anymore, right? So that's a really good thing. People like being around us, but the reality is that we're not always going to agree. Everyone's going to do things differently. Maybe the way you spend your money is different to the way your friend thinks you should, or maybe the way that you raise your kids is different. All of these things we have opinions about and thoughts about. But Paul is saying to these women, you guys are amazing. Just, just stop for a second and know how good you are. Know how great all the things that you are doing are. And come back into agreement. Stop letting disagreement getting in, get in the way of advancing the gospel. Stop that. Bring agreement back. Disagreement doesn't always have to cause division when we understand that God created and embraces diversity, right? We're diverse. And this is a good portion of community living. We're meant to live and enjoy community together. We're also meant to sharpen each other and have robust discussions with each other, but it doesn't need to cause disagreement and disunity as we do that. We always need to come back to a place of love and grace for each other. That's what we have to do. I can't imagine a world where we were all the same. I feel like it would be really, really boring, right? Really boring. What matters is that we need to be united with the mind of Christ. And when we choose to be, even if we don't agree on everything, that's where beauty comes from in unity. That is a beautiful thing. The short of it, Paul obviously really cares about these women, knows they're better together. We all work better in unity than in disagreement, right? So we can remember the first two things for us to grow in Christ. We need to stand firm and we need to walk together. You guys are really quiet today. We're going to move on. The next section of Scripture has heaps in it. We've heard a lot of these Scriptures before, and we're not going to get to all of them. I'm very sorry, but we would be here. All, you could make a series out of these, whole, these Scriptures. Like There's so much. But we are going to look at the area of joy. So uh, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. As we grow in Christ, we need to carry joy. In the book of Philippians, the word joy is used 16 times. 16 times or a version of it, whether it's joy or rejoice. There are, the, the derivative of joy is used. Is that the right word? Did I use that correctly? There you go. The derivative of the word joy is used 16 times. It's a pretty important concept that we need to get a hold of, right? 
So, not only is it used 16 times, in fact, it's used as an imperative, which means it's a must. It, it's the kind of word, it's like a commandment. We are told to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So when we are living in communion and connection with the Holy Spirit, joy becomes a sure thing because it is a fruit of the Spirit, right? Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So as people who are in communion with God, are in communion with the Holy Spirit and Jesus, we can't help but have joy on the inside of us. We can't help it. That's the way it's supposed to be. Gordon Fee says joy is or should be the distinctive mark of the believer in Christ Jesus. Who feels like they operate in joy all the time? Yep, not me either. (laughs) And that's just the reality of the life that we're living, right? There's definitely moments where I'm joyful. Yep. There's definitely moments where I feel joy. Totally, but there's definitely moments where I don't feel joy at all. And I allow the things of the world to crowd me or I feel hurried or I feel disappointed or something happens and I am not feeling the joy. And there's lots of times where we just don't feel it. The reality of a life in Christ is that we are being transformed day by day into a place where at some point, I believe some of us are going to look back and go, oh, I've been joyful all week. What's going on? I don't really understand how that works, but I'm in Jesus. I'm wo- I'm, I have been joyful because when we spend time with God, when we spend time in his presence, the joy of the Lord becomes our strength, right? Joy is deeply embedded in the relationship that we have with the Lord, Even in hardships, we can know joy. When we take our focus off the things that might be causing us grief and put them back onto the person who provides joy, and that is Jesus and the Holy Spirit bringing that fruit. With joy comes an atmosphere of assurance and confidence, and this outworks in gentleness. Have a think about it. You can't be harsh when you're full of joy. True? I reckon that's true. I don't think you can be angry when you're full of joy. Well, I just don't see how they would mesh together. I feel like you would be able to speak volumes to the people around you and me included when we have joy bubbling out from us. That in itself is a testimony no matter what's happening in our world, even when we're busy, even in the crazy Christmas season. Who's got their Christmas tree up? Not me. I'm not putting my hand up. Much to my children's disappointment. But there are also joy stealers in the world, and we need to keep our eyes open for them. Things like hurry, things like, I can't think of one now, now that I'm on the spot. I should read my notes, see if I've got anything else here. (laughs) Hurry is a big one for me. I think that's probably why I stop on it. Because when I feel hurried, I feel like the whole, everything's going out of control. I'm feeling crazy, right? So we need to be really careful 
about the things that steal our joy and not allow them to do that, actually give them back to God and be like, you know what, God, I feel hurried right now. I just need to slow down. I just need to stop for a second and take a moment with you. Can you please just come into my life afresh right now and allow God to speak into that world where you are? Find a way to know Jesus so that you know the joy that is set before you. It's not fake. Let me just make that really clear. You don't put on a fake joy because the real joy is just going to be a natural occurrence. It's going to be something you don't have to put on. It's not something you have to manufacture. I heard um, a podcast recently and John Mark Comer says, we must arrange our day so that we are experiencing a deep sense of joy as we live in the kingdom of God with Jesus. Because when our day has a Jesus element, we will know increased joy. We have to just take time. We need to arrange our day so we're spending time with the one who is the joy bringer. And if we're doing that, then we are going to find that out the joy will just start to be natural. It will just start to radiate out of us. It will bubble out. So this next section of scripture, which is the final one we're going to look at today, says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. As people who are growing in Christ, we walk in peace. We walk in peace. Paul has just commanded joy for the believers and reminded them that the Lord is near. And now he is promising peace. Peace is powerful. In the scriptures, peace comes when we come to God with our anxiety, our thoughts, our anxious thoughts. Peace comes when we come with thanksgiving and prayer. It's not something, again, that we can manufacture. Sure, we can stop ourselves and calm ourselves down. That's okay. But it is not a commandment or an instruction here. Like joy was, rejoice always compared to peace will come. It's a result of submitting all things to God and taking the hand, our hands off the things that we feel like are out of control or the things that we want to control but we know we can't. It's not helping us at all. When we give it all back to God, we experience peace when He comes into every part of our lives. Remember, it's in God we trust, not ourselves, not other people, not our experiences, not anything except God. And the reality, that reality becomes a peace that our human minds cannot understand. It goes beyond our understanding. Our relationship with God brings God's peace because God is peace. He is peace. God dwells in complete peace. And another word or the word for peace is shalom. And shalom also means wholeness. God dwells in complete wholeness and well-being. And he gives this shalom to us, his people. What an incredible gift. I remember a time when Ben was really unwell. Some of you might remember that. And, you know, the doctors thought he was going to die my parents thought he was going to die. I didn't think he was going to die. At no point in my 
walk through that journey did I think, this is it. This is it. I'm done. Ben's gone. Because the peace of God was so incredibly powerful in my life because I just had to keep submitting it all to God. So I don't, didn't ever go to the place where I was like, God, you know what, if Ben goes, how am I going to make this work? I didn't have to go there because I had this incredible peace that it was going to be okay, that it was going to all work out, that there was something that I couldn't understand, that I didn't realize that was going on in Ben and in the spiritual world and in the world around us, but I didn't have to worry about it because peace came. And you know, I, I probably worried about other things during that time probably worried about how we were going to pay our bills or all of those little things that came up. But God provided all of that. He brought incredible peace to me through that time. And I probably have not ever realized or known that peace like I did then again. But I really want to. I really want to. I knew that God wouldn't leave us or forsake us and that we were journeying with Him. Our perception of the world is surpassed when we trust God. And we don't have to have it all figured out for that to happen. Even in the midst of battle and unrest, even if we are in prison like Paul under house arrest, we can experience the peace of God. And the peace that we experience as individuals will also bring peace to community. Can you imagine if we were all walking in peace? What an incredible community that would be. It links to unity that we were speaking out. Ephesians says, keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And how do we get that peace? We submit everything to God with prayer and thanksgiving. Verse 8 and 9 say, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, and lovely and admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Just really briefly, a reminder that we need to think about what's on our minds. What are we filling our minds with? You know, I don't have time to go into all of that, but what are we setting our thoughts on? The message puts it this way, summing it up. Friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that and God who makes everything work together will work you into his most excellent harmonies. The ultimate peace really only comes through Jesus Christ. He is called the Prince of Peace in the Word of God. Ultimately, peace isn't just a feeling or a state, but it is a person. When we know Him, we will know peace. So when we are growing as Christians, when we choose to be people who stand firm, who walk together, who carry joy and who walk in peace, when we do those, we allow ourselves to be shaped by the Word of God. We will continue to be transformed. We will continue to be growing in Christ. We will continue to see all of these good things that God has planned for us, the way that we should do our lives. And that will be just amazing. And 
that will show to the world around us. We will be able to be great testimonies of God working in our world, right? Because we're, and we will just continue to look more and more like Jesus because He is the greatest example that we can ever have. Why don't you stand this morning? Stretch your legs as we come to a close. You know, you might be here this morning and thinking, I don't know God. I don't even know what you're talking about. Or maybe you once did, but you don't now. I want to tell you that the God of peace that we've been talking about, the God of joy, He's right here right now and He wants to meet with you. In fact, He's already been meeting with you. You may not have even realised it. And He would love more than anything a relationship with you. And He made a way for that to happen by sending His Son Jesus to come to earth, to die on a cross and then to be raised again so that we could live in relationship with God. He made a way. He paid the price. So if that's you this morning, you think, you know what, I really want to carry that joy and I want to walk in that peace and I just, it's not happening in my own world. While every eye is closed and every head is bowed, would you just give me a wave? Let me see that you are wanting to take that step this morning, to take that step into a relationship with Jesus. If you could just give me a little wave so that I can see you and we can get somebody to meet with you and pray with you and help you to know that you're not alone and that we are doing this together. Is there anybody here like that this morning? Thank you, God. Before we close, I really feel like there's people who are maybe not feeling like you are walking in peace. In fact, you feel like there is just turmoil in your head. And we're going to sing this song again. But as we sing, this altar is open and we have people who would love to pray with you. And I would love to invite you to come and take a step down the front just so that we can stand with you and pray with you and help you to know the peace that God wants to bring into your world today. So there's a moment where you can make a decision right now. Is this something I want to keep walking in? Am I happy to just keep going ahead? Maybe you've already made peace with God this morning. Excuse the pun. Maybe you've already decided that, no, I'm not going to walk like that anymore. I'm going to come into God's presence. I'm going to know Jesus and I'm going to know that peace. That's what I want to do. And I would just encourage you to come down and let us pray with you. Stand with you. Believe with you. And there's, if you have any other prayer that you need this morning, then this altar is open for healing. We would love to pray for you anything that you want somebody to stand with you on you are available you are free to come down and we have people available to pray with you so God would you just continue to work in our hearts thank you God that you are growing us thank you that you've given us your word Lord we just submit everything afresh to you God in Jesus name Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. 
We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.